This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. And today I'm here with Laura McCowan, and like, this is just the best. I mean, Laura, we have not talked face to face in probably like two years, more than two years. Yeah, it was when you had just published this Naked Mind, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because we had you on home. Yep. And uh, we had just started home. You were like one of our first few guests. So it's been a while, but I feel like I see you or. I, I mean, I see your stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah, same. You and I face to face. I read your stuff all the time. I mean, I don't know, Laura. Um, just so everybody knows, if you don't know Laura, she is probably one of the most talented writers. Like, I mean, hands down, has a way to craft words that just reach the deepest parts of you, and um, it's really beautiful. And like, your writing just since the beginning has been incredible for me personally, but just also something that I just so readily share with just about everybody. Thank you. Awesome. That means a lot. So um, like I'd love to do, why don't we just like back way up for you? I'm sure you've repeated okay. a million times, but. <laughs> no, I haven't story. actually talked about my story in a long time. So I'm happy to do that. It's, it's uh, yeah, no, I haven't. So need to dive in. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, how do I usually do this? I know it's like, hmm. So, uh, my story, my drinking story. Um, yeah, I started drinking. Uh, I, I grew up in a drinking family, uh, where drinking was just the thing that it wasn't always overdone, but it was just done all the time. You know, it was alcohol was just always kind of there and around and flowing. And I uh, thought that's just what adults did. Um, and a lot, you know, I didn't even realize that my family was like more of a drinking family than others until I got married. And my husband was like, wow, your family drinks a lot. <laughs> and I didn't really know. I thought that's just because I think you drinkers hang out with drinkers. Right. And so right. one that came over was just drinking. It was like, the first thing you do when someone walks in the house is, do you want to drink? Yeah, no and matter what time of day, it's just gonna no matter what time, no matter what day it is, and um, and yeah, and my 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 ex husband now he was like, you your family drinks a lot, and I would go to his family's things, and they would have some stuff there, but it was like everyone, it was not the main attraction, you know. Right. So. I started when I was like 16, just, I drank a little bit in high school. It wasn't anything crazy. Um, but I do remember a really pivotal point in my drinking, uh, when I was, I graduated early, it's at 17, not like advanced or anything. It was just, I was an August baby. So I had a graduation party and, uh, at my family's restaurant, we owned a restaurant, which was a lot of you know, the drinking seeds were planted there too. And, um, I was, had a really bad eating disorder at that time. Um, uh, just like I, I was tiny and constantly thinking about my body, constantly thinking about like trying to just get some semblance of control in my life. Um, and, but alcohol was like the one time that I could sort of, 
I was afraid of it, but I liked doing it because it let me like, when, you know, if you've experienced an eating disorder, it kind of numbs you out and it, and I couldn't feel anything anymore. It was like, all I was doing was sort of surviving in the world, you know, basic survival instincts and, or basic survival like needs and trying to deny them. And then, so feelings were secondary and, um, I didn't, I drank so that I could feel a little bit. And also, so it like also numbed, it's a weird, it was a weird thing. And, but I would always regret doing it because it would lessen the control on my eating. And I would always eat like binge of, of some kind. And then I would have that whole loop of just like regret, but it allowed me to forget my, what I was doing, forget myself enough to do it. So anyway, I was really tiny at that time. Like I can remember the exact outfit I had on that day. And I was drinking Bacardi Limon and Diet Coke. Ew. And (laughs) (laughs) so gross. And I had, I was just, you know, we, at that point I could drink openly with my family and I was going back to the bar to refill. It was like probably my third one, you know, big tumbler full. This was at 16. 17. 17. Yeah. And I'm way like nothing. Um, so I was really buzzed. Um, and I was filling it up, like filling up the drink. And I remember thinking like, if I can just stay like this, I'll be okay. If I can just stay like, like this feeling, I could be okay because all my insecurities went away. I always had like, I was always really awkward with boys and I really wanted them to like me, but I didn't know how to like do that. I I was more uncomfortable with sexuality. Like I just, I was kind of a late bloomer. And so it allowed me, like, it was like the way into all those things, you know? And, um, I remember that, that moment very, it was, and it was scary. Like I knew there was something really scary about that thought. Like Mm -hmm. I could just stay this way because what did that, you know, like, I'm just going to be drunk for the rest of my life. But I really thought like, that's my key to be the answer that is the answer for me to be in the world and it will allow me to do everything I want to do. And it seemed like when I drank, everything was possible, right? Everything was possible. Um, and it's sort of just continued that way. Like I continue to feel that way about drinking. Um, and I've never really talked to like put this together exactly like this before, but it was like, in college, then I, I gained a bunch of weight and it allowed me to like forget how self-conscious I was about that. And it was when I was drunk was really the only time that I was okay in my body. And it allowed me, I mean, that's, it made it okay for me to have sex for the first time. It made it okay for me to like, it just seemed like the fixer for everything, you know? And and I can say for me, I drank problematically from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew in college, I started to get, get the sense that I really liked it a lot more than other people. <laughs> and that I just didn't have this like off switch. I just did. There was, there was never enough. Um, and like that whole thing about it being the, the sort of opening to everything. I remember the first night I moved to Boston after college with one of my best friends. And the first night we were here, we went out and I, that was like, I knew that I just wanted to get to a bar and start drinking. Like that was my, my way into like meet people and be in the city. And it just felt like, I didn't know how to 
do, I didn't know how to do that. Otherwise I didn't like, that was the way I knew in. Right. And we got, we blacked out that night or I did. And we invited these guys over to our house. And like, I, there's so much about that night. I don't remember and like two girls that are 21 in this new city and it could have been so dangerous, you know, but, um, and then and again, I remember that feeling like anytime I would start a job was always like, okay, when are we going out drinking together? Cause then I will get to like really know you. And then I will feel comfortable here. You know, mm-hmm. it was like that constant, that's what I needed to I just thought that was the way in and I hung out with people who drank a lot. And so they, it was this, we were all in the same like agreement. You know, this is, this is what you do. And this is what it means to be an adult. And this is what it is like the good way to live and kind of the crazier, the better. I mean, I drank a lot in college, but my twenties was like, whoa, like way more. And I was so excited to learn that that's what people did in their 20s. Like when they had jobs, it didn't slow down. It just was like, we just also had responsibilities on top of our, you know, very excessive drinking. So um, just to speed it up a little bit, you know, it, it got, there were, I was always the girl that like had to be taken care of, you know, like my friends would be annoyed because they had to take care of me somehow. And it was like this joke that wasn't really a joke, you know, like I knew that it, I, I was a bit embarrassed of it and ashamed of it. Um, but I, I didn't know how to not just get wasted. Like I had no interest in just social drinking. I wanted to go for like the blackout or the pass out or the whatever. I mean, I wasn't trying to do those things, (laughs) but that's what happened every time. And, um, it got, a, be- a little bit better when I met the guy that I was going to marry because I was distracted enough and I was motivated enough to not fuck it up. Right. So I, I slowed down. And also he was kind of, and I was in love, you know, it's like you get, I was getting the dopamine somewhere else right? <laughs> uh, for a while. And then um, it really changed when I had my daughter. Um, I, it just became something very different. I think that's what a lot of women experience. I mean, I, you have, you have to hold up so much more. You're exhausted. Um, I just think of is that is the time when my drinking really stopped working. Like Me too. I remember distinctly that feeling of like, this isn't, this is making things so much worse or I, all right. I don't get the, that relief anymore. It's not that I knew it was making it worse. It's just like, I don't, my relief window was like 30 minutes, you know? And then I started to feel wretched anxiety, which I already had. It just like poured gasoline on it. Couldn't sleep. Um, It just started to catch up. All the things that drinking does started to really catch up with me as a mom. And I... I really was struggling in my marriage. Like I didn't really think I wanted to be married. Um, and I started drinking kind of at that. And, um, I really started to compartmentalize my life. Like I started drinking behind his back. I would go to happy hour after work and I had end spending three hours there before I came home and then we you know would have wine when I got home and 
I was lying a lot about, <clears throat> I just started lying a lot. You know, I mean, I was, I, I can look back at that and it was like, I just started to like retreat sort of in, there was like this inner life that was going on and then this outer life. And it looked very different to other people, to, to individual people. Like I had my work people and we all kind of were crazy together. And then I had my home life and then I had like my friends and um, I, I remember getting this distinct feeling like nobody really knows what's going on with me. Even I, and I couldn't really look at it, but I still never thought that drinking was the thing, you right. know, <laughs> like yeah. I was, I thought, and we went, we had a really rough start to our marriage. We had a lot of just shit happen in our lives. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was 2010 when my, my daughter was born in 2009. And like the year after that was that, you know, horrific financial crisis. And, um, we were both unemployed at a, at like the same time. At one point we moved across the country twice. Things were really, really hard. And I mean, I would make the decision. I remember like looking at our bank account and I would see we have, you know, $110 between two adults with like our, phones blowing up time for you know bill collection and I I would think should I buy like how am I going to buy wine because that's the thing that needs to happen it was like a non-negotiable for me Mm -hmm. um and there are infinitely you know just supplanted all the other sort of needs um so it, it got really different when I had my daughter too and and it escalated pretty quickly for me uh I couldn't wait to get to not be pregnant anymore so I could start drinking again. Like I remember that period of time, the uh, pregnant was deeply uncomfortable. And I didn't really put it together. Like I did, but I didn't, I knew I hated not being able to drink wine. And there were a few moments when it really hit me hard how uncomfortable I was, but I didn't really totally put it together because I knew when it was over, I'd drink, you know, like and I was just gonna jump off that cliff again wait. I mean, and I did not wait. And then, um, you know, fast forward a few years and my marriage fell apart. Um, a large, uh, it didn't fall apart because of my drinking. Like that wasn't the only thing, but it was absolutely 100% a, a contributing factor because you can't, I couldn't, I was dishonest. I was not present. I had no idea how to tell the truth. I just drank and drinking was more important to me. Like I wanted him to get the fuck out of my way because he was starting to like, at that point he was never said, you know, you're an alcoholic or you like, this is something that you have to stop forever. But he was like, you have to slow down. And he always saw it, saw it as like a self-medication thing. Cause he knew all like stuff I was going through too. And he's like, don't drink when you're upset. Don't, you know, so he, he also isn't, doesn't know this world of like what it looks like. He was just sort of watching me just spiral in a lot of ways. And he was one of the first people that said like, you need to not fucking drink, like maybe for a while, you know, and like, fuck you. Like that's not going. And I would try sometimes to like rein it in and, or, um, you know, I would take like certain measures to just not fall off completely, but it was never, ever uh in my mind to just stop like that wasn't going to happen 
Um, but we separated and when we separated, it was like, okay, nobody's watching me anymore. I can drink however I want and I'm single again, like hallelujah. And it was just the biggest shit show ever. I mean, it was scary because when I didn't have my daughter, I just wouldn't come home, you know, for nights at a time. I would stay like with coworkers. I would stay with people I don't know. I had a dog. I would like come home just to take her out and then leave again. It, it was so sloppy and so messy and so scary. And that it, within a year, I got a DUI. I got, um, I had like the horrific sort of bottom incident with my daughter where I um, left her in a hotel room overnight and um, at, at a wedding. And that was when I, because my family was there, that was when I really was forced to stop. And um, I, I had to consider that maybe I need to get sober <laughs> or maybe I need to address this, you know? But those were just like, those two things were just one, you know, two of thousands of things that should have maybe clued me into the fact that this wasn't working. And, you know, I always say too, like, it's important, I think, to hear, I was, my life was like, I looked pretty good. I had a very, I was like killing it at work. I worked in advertising and marketing and I kept getting promotions and I was really good at playing the part. I had a lot of friends, although those were, those friendships were starting to decay a little bit in the, the last years. I, you know, I had a beautiful daughter, lived in a pretty home, but everything was a mess. Um, and then I started to go to AA meetings cause I didn't know what else to do. Um, and at that point, I had to start telling people, you know, that I was trying to do this because I, first of all, like I, I knew that I would lose custody of my daughter eventually. Like I knew that that would be, that would happen. And I had to tell my ex-husband what had happened with her. Um, she actually told him right after I did. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I did. She was four and she was like, this is what happened, you know? Um, so people were watching me. Um, but it took me, it took me a full year plus to actually get sober. Um, because I, I think I was so addicted at that point that it was physically very hard for me to stop. Um, emotionally, it was devastating to end. Like, I don't know that we talk about it as much as we should, but like the grief of your life, your drinking life ending was so massive for me. I could, I just couldn't fathom it. And I was so sad and I had just gotten divorced and I was like, there was that. And then there was, it was like, everything came to a screeching halt. And so I kept certain parts of my drinking life alive. You know, I, there were certain people I knew, I knew exactly who knew that I was trying to stop and exactly who didn't know, you know, and I traveled a lot. And like, when I would travel, I would drink but in that year and a half, I, I spent most of those days sober. I would go for like, you know, a couple of weeks. I would go to meetings and I would try to pull it together. And I, sometimes I would even feel great. Like I'm going to do this. And then I just would find myself drinking. Like I, I couldn't even explain it. Um, and I also never really, like, I thought that there would be a time when I'd actually want to stop like fully, no ambivalence, nothing. I would just want to stop. And 
AA was also really the only thing I knew, you know, like I didn't, you, I think were probably getting sober at the same time I was. We, we did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we were both in the struggle. Yep. Um, and it, about the summer after the DUI and all that, I started to, I created an Instagram account and I started to post a new account. I had like my personal account, but I created a new account called clear eyes, full heart. And I started to post little things about what, what I was going through. And I met and I, it was like this first little outlet for me to um, start telling the truth about what was going on. And um, I've always wanted to write always. And um, I started writing too. Like I, I had a blog that was just sitting out there kind of collecting dust. It's really hard to write about your life when you can't be honest about your life. Yeah. My posts from before then were so ridiculous. It was like, I was trying to allude to certain things, but I couldn't really say anything. It's like, God, that's so painful to read. It's like nonsense. Um, <clears throat> but I started writing and that and meeting people. I met a lot of people um, really through Instagram that were going through the same thing. And by my, you know, I finally in September of 2014 had my last day one. And it was, it was just like a very sad sort of resignation because I had, there was nothing left for me in drinking. Like I, couldn't, there was no even 30 seconds of relief. I knew too much, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So it just, and I didn't know that it was going to be the end of it for me. I just didn't know. Um, I, I couldn't think, I realized I couldn't think like that anymore. I couldn't think like forever right, because right. it sounded awful. So I just would say, okay, just today you're not going to, that's it. Like period today, just make it to like, eight o'clock and make it home and eat. And if you can do that, chances are you're not going to drink. And then I kept doing that, you know, and shortly after that, um, you know, I started writing a lot more, started home podcasts. And then it was like, I sort of came out to the world as being sober and like, there was no way I was turning around, you know, right. And it's not just because of that, that, that I didn't turn around, but that was a big piece of it. And um, things, I mean, also things just got a lot fucking better. Yeah. Like a lot better. Um, and then they get harder in different ways. <laughs> yes. So true. <laughs> but that's the sort of, um, and you know, my AA thing is like, I, I really leaned heavily on A in the beginning and then I sort of drifted away from it for a while and now, and then I came back to it. Um, in the past six months. And so that's been really interesting too, because I, I see how beautiful it is in some ways. And I see, and my time not being participating in that was so important for me too. Um, yeah. And somehow I've like created an entire world around talking about this stuff is, don't you think that's weird sometimes? Yeah. Super weird. You're like, you're like how did I become this girl? <laughs> that is like, it's so surprising, but it's also not because it, it's like, I've always been very interested in like a spiritual path and growing in like growth and transformation and pain. 
like I've always been very interested in talking about these things and it's just, I never thought I'd be talking about it in this way. I just, or, you know, in the lens of, of addiction and recovery. I just, I didn't know that that would be the thing <laughs> that would get oh, me there. Yeah. I feel exactly the same way. It's sort of like if somebody would have told me, you know, four years ago or whatever, five years ago that like this was going to happen, I would have been like, call bullshit. Like no way. <laughs> <laughs> that, is that is not like, I was the biggest alcohol proponent. Um, and I was just convinced that I loved it so much that there was, no inkling and <clears throat> I think you're right like in terms of a spiritual path it's like how can I not see this as anything else because every single moment of this journey it's kind of felt like stepping off a cliff like okay so wait you want me to do what put out my my journals like okay so you want me to like come out with this and and then just hoping that like the ground's gonna be there that's such a good way of putting it it's so true and you have to keep you have to continue to be willing to like step off the cliff because what the times that I've stopped growing or stopped, uh, stopped being willing to, to, to grow really, uh, I've, you get, I, I've got hit with a lot of pain. <laughs> like it doesn't feel good. Um, one of the things that, you know, was really profound for me based on like something I feel like you taught me a lot, um, was during our first conversation where I had come from is I hadn't, I had no knowledge of AA whatsoever. All I knew about AA was my brother's experience in prison that he had told me about. And, um, and so, you know, I published the book and, and you had a lot of questions, rightly so, because I had, I had really like, you know, just given it from like, okay, so now that I, I went and I didn't know anything, I went and read the big book. I found kind of these scientific fallacies that I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense. And like, right. here I am. And so what had happened is that based on that, you know, people had gotten my book, um, the early download version that was just really messy before I put it out, like actually self-published it. And so I started getting like hate mail mm -hmm. and it was intense. And, um, and I started getting people to tell me to like stop what I was doing and that I was going to kill people. And I was going to like, let them like off the hook of going to meetings. And like, so I was so blindsided because really my first inter introduction to something that, you know, I now consider to be extremely beautiful and I actually refer people to often, um, yeah. depending on kind of where they are and where, like what they need, but was, was so negative. And, and you and I had such a real conversation about it where you just really explained to me that um, you just gave me a different perspective on everything about what it is and i think that it's so much more than like these tenants that were built in the 30s like those are obviously the the, the framework but yeah. the human beings in the room with the intention and then i did go to a women's meeting in denver yeah and oh my gosh like every single woman in that room came up and gave me her phone number like her personal phone number any time of day or night, like the amount of like love and support and like people in your corner to help you out was phenomenal. And um, anyway, just thank you for that because I think that I had such a initially like people were lashing out at me and I immediately got defensive and like, oh, well, geez, you know, then <laughs> yeah, like what's your problem? I remember that conversation so well. And I think it was just that you didn't understand why not. Um, I think it was around the label alcoholic, like why, why you like saying that something about like, you didn't understand why that's a fearful for people to, to Yeah, not. People were really upset with me that I said that you wouldn't have to call yourself an alcoholic. And that was one yeah. of the main points of contention Yeah, um, was that if, 
if I was saying that, then I was going to be harming people because if people weren't willing to admit that about themselves then they wouldn't be willing to get help. And so they, like, I was just getting a lot of, and I was like, well, wait yeah. a second. It's, it's like not actually in the medical manuals anymore. Like, yeah, I come at this very analytically, you know, right. very intellectually, um, right. sometimes to a fault, certainly. Yeah. And, um, and you just like, I mean, maybe you can explain. Yeah, no, I mean, it was more, it was, it was just that, that, um, you're, it's, terrifying to people to have that idea taken away from them because there's this idea and I don't really love it and I don't call myself an alcoholic um that if you forget that you're going to end up drinking again and probably die or you know worse live and have this horrible existence I mean I think the thing that's so beautiful about your work is you um really started to have people look at problem drinking as a much wider spectrum than <clears throat> those who would qualify as an alcoholic um, by taking the, the quiz, you know, and that is incredibly, incredibly important. And <clears throat> I think there is a certain persona. I think addiction is a spectrum. I mean, it's not, I don't think that I know, we know it is. There's like, dependence and then there's like acute addiction and they look very different and they feel very different and spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically and physiologically they're very different and i think there's a certain persona that identifies with an alcohol an aa meeting mm -hmm. and and there's a like the gray area drinking where maybe your life isn't fucking blowing up and maybe even your insides aren't that terrible but you know that this isn't good that person's going to go to a meeting probably and be like, this doesn't feel right because there's a lot of like, um, there's, there's a, a, a deathly seriousness <laughs> to AA meetings. You know what I mean? Um, in a good way. And I think that that meets people in a, in a certain place, but it doesn't meet everybody. I think what you said that was so good that gave me so much perspective, um, like in addition to everything you just said, was really when you're coming at, so, so my drinking was certainly like spiritually and emotionally like devastating for me, but um, the things that like I would consider like my worst points were, were things that like, yeah, they hurt me and they, they motivated me to change, but they also, you know, weren't like the worst of the world. I don't know, whatever. I, I like, I can't even put this into good words, but the, the thing that you um, gave me perspective on, and it was you, and it was actually an episode of, of television, a silly show about the president with Kevin Spacey, whatever that was like. Anyway. Oh, oh my God. House of Cards. <laughs> House of Cards. Thank you. So there was one where he, uh, the guy, the assistant, he goes on a bender and it's like a four day bender and he like throws up and starts drinking and then throws up and starts drinking. And it was you and then um, one of my dad's really close friends who I didn't even know was sober. And he came um, and he read my book and he sat me down and he's like, let me tell you how my drinking was. And he told me the same story of he would be sick but then physically be unable to stop himself from drinking more and he would be sick. He's like that type of prison, that type of lock and chain, that type of addiction is so terrifying that for me to identify as an alcoholic is freedom 
because that means that I know I can never have another drink. And I know with certainty that I can never have another drink. And I think also that also allows for the grieving, like so much of my work. And I, I, I try to be so careful about kind of who comes into my world because I'm like, look, if you're, I even give people like the DSM, like if you're on a spectrum like this, like you probably need AA, you probably need something besides like a book or, you know, the, you need some more stuff, but that type of, um, like, I, I just can't even physically imagine the pain of that. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it, and it, and it is, it is really a matter of life or death. I think that's, that's what the difference is. You know, I think it's a matter, like if I, I was at that point, like I should have died. I could have died. I was very close to dying. And so, and to some people calling yourself, calling yourself an alcoholic is like this final admission, like, oh my God, okay, I am. And that means freedom and it means I never have to drink again. It doesn't feel that way to me, which is why I don't say it. But it's a, I mean, I could talk about this stuff for hours because I, I'm still like understanding, you know, I also think A is a very masculine program and that doesn't appeal to a lot of women. The language can be difficult. Um, but the, the program itself, the 12 steps, I should say, themselves are beautiful, ancient spiritual wisdom as my sponsor says. They're profound, but it's a program of people. <laughs> and so the fellowship, it gets, you know, twisted like religions do, and it gets warped and modified. And there can be this uh, element of fear that overrides things, which um, isn't what the program is, is, was designed to be, but that's just humans. Like, you know, so experiences vary greatly. Um, I'm really, yeah. I see that happening with, with my book, like it's one little book, right? And I see people taking it and then in these communities that now have grown to thousands of people, like twisting something and then yelling at somebody about like, oh, well, you're counting days. Well, Annie Grace says you shouldn't count days. Well, that's not true. Like that's not the spirit of what I was talking about. Like that has nothing to do with anything. Like we're not here to judge each other. Come on. I know. People. I know. It's, but that's just what humans do and it's okay. And it's part of the deal. But, um, I think if we all, if we looked at, it's almost like if you looked at all the religions in their, in their essence and their core, they are all basically the same, you know? Um, and, and A is, is, a, a, it's spiritual wisdom too. You know, it's like, take care of your house. Don't lie. <laughs> Say you're sorry when you have hurt someone. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah. service is like really at the core and that is truly you yeah. know, when you, when you take everything else away, yeah. um, and if you get down to the things that you know are true for all human beings, if we can put ourselves in a position of service, like we will absolutely. find freedom and happiness. Like there's absolutely. just no doubt. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's also, you know, I think probably your program too, and A is really good because it's like CBT. It's like you learn to a, a different way of being by doing very basic things going to meetings, talking in a certain way, using a certain lexicon, it like actually changes your brain, <laughs> yeah. you know? That's awesome. One of the things you said, um, keeping you on a long time, I have a few more things though, but one of the things you said that I thought was just like really struck me um, is when you were talking about how you were the drinker that needed to be taken care of, like how I see you now, Laura, in the world is, oh, man, you are taking care. Like, I mean... It makes me, it's so beautiful to watch you because like you were just like putting your arms around 
women and people and with such true authenticity and heart and like I just like you said that and I could just see this path of like every person that took care of you was preparing you to take care of all of these people. Yeah. I just think it's so beautiful. Thank you. So you. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just like, it's so true. And I don't think about it as often as I should like that. Yeah. There's something about you that's just very um, welcoming, like anyone can come, anyone can hear, anyone can like learn and sit with you. And you just, you feel like you have space for the whole world. Like your presence um, is really just beautiful. I mean, I can feel it over Skype having never met you and in person and just watching you. And I just, I just really appreciate you. Um, Thank you. And I think it's just awesome. Um, I have two more questions for you. <laughs> First of all, we'll go to a really simple one and then we'll go to the emotional one. Okay. Simple one is where can people find you? Where can people learn oh, more about all the amazing thing you're doing? <laughs> uh, everything's on my website. It's lauramccowan.com and um, everything is from there. You can find my Instagram. I'm Instagram's my favorite. That's kind of where all of my... I'm not writing a ton on my blog lately because of my book, but that's where a lot of my thoughts go and my just daily experience on Facebook too, but everything's there. All my courses, all my blog posts, obviously, events, workshops, everything. That's awesome. All right. So then final question, like if you could go back to the Laura of the drinking days and, you know, the Laura that was leaving her daughter and, um, what would you tell her about what life is like now? The Laura that was afraid. Oh, you're so right. This was much more emotional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, I was just so scared all the time, you know. Um, I would tell her, to do the hard thing, you know, um, and that she'll be caught. Like there's this beautiful quote, um, and I'll have to send to you who the person is that said it because I hate not quoting someone correctly, but it's a strange name. Um, but he says, uh, let me fall if I might fall, if I might fall, the one I will become will catch me. And um, it was, I would, oh God, I would have her read that over and over again, you know, um, that you'll become somebody new every day and that that person will be able to catch the you from yesterday. Um, I had so little faith that I could be good again, that anything, you know, I kind of have this optimism for life and um, I had really lost it. Like I had lost I thought I had broken things beyond repair, myself, uh, everything. And I really needed to know that I hadn't, you know, that I hadn't. And I was exactly as broken as I needed to be. Um, so yeah, I would, I would also just tell her that she's still like a very beautiful person. Um, I lost all of that too. I thought that I was just 
like who does that, you know, who does the things that I had done. So I would tell her that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question. You know, it's hard to answer those things because I don't, I just don't live there anymore. And I know that you probably feel the same way. I just, I have to try to feel that again mm-hmm. and to really remember mm-hmm. when I thought, and, and I thought for so long that it would just always be right here in my face. Um, and it's not I don't yeah. live anymore. I really don't. It's such a beautiful thing. One of the things that I really love about <clears throat> all of your work is, is that you do give people permission to grieve um, the part of ourselves that was that other person. You know, I think that so often, um, especially like in my work, I try so hard to focus on like what, what's positive, what you're looking forward to. And, and that works to an extent, but like when, when you're talking about alcohol being like your way in and the thing that connected you with other humans, like that feeling deserves grief, you know, because you have to relearn those things. And, um, and when you said too, that, you know, September, I think of 2014, that it was, a sad resignation rather than a like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like that isn't everybody's experience, but to know that that's okay. If it is your experience, like that's totally cool. And like just giving people permission to, to feel that because no matter how destructive and negative alcohol is and how happy we are to be free of it now in the moment, you don't believe those things. And sometimes you have to make the choice to let go of it before you know, often, that it's true. I'm so glad you said that. I just will say one more thing because I think that the way it can look like if you're on Instagram and you're exploring, you know, sober hashtags and stuff like that, it can look like everyone is so fucking happy and excited to be sober. And I've had people actually write me that before. Like, I don't, I feel like I'm missing something. You know, I was so so deep in grief and hate and anger. And I, I didn't want it even, even up until like a year and a half of being sober, I was still very ambivalent. Like I knew it was the better thing, but there were times when I didn't want it, you know? So I think not skipping past that part is really important for, for a lot of people. I think some people go into it. I mean, I would go into meetings and hear people talk and, we like never looked back, you know, I came in, never looked back. And it was like so far away from my experience. That's just not how it went for me. I think it's just important to like honor and know that like that experience is totally legitimate and that might be where you are. And then that's, that's okay. Like that's yeah. more than okay. Right. Yeah. So and the minute yeah. you allow, you just say, this is where I am. It's very. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, thank you so much, Laura. It's just been incredible. I know. You're awesome. You too. We'll have to do this more often, just like without recording. Yeah, I know. It'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love it. All right. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.